This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. And we are back. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Matt Caraccio. And this evening, it is just, I am just beyond excited because as we begin to see the draft kind of kind of start to to kind of peek over the horizon as we start to enter the month of April. This is one of our favorite times of the show where we we as a as a as a panel, myself and Paul get to sit down with some of those people in the industry whose content and opinions we really admire and really give you the listeners a different understanding or take on each of these players and and really what they bring, you know, to the program. And tonight, I'm really ecstatic to bring somebody on that I've had so many discussions about um, with with regards to football from a coaching perspective, from an on-the-field perspective, but also from a prospect perspective. And this is somebody that recently is really just – I mean, he to say that his content is beginning to be held against some of the best in the industry, that would not be – an overstatement um, that would actually be very accurate. And I'm talking about Mr. Anthony Amico and Anthony, welcome to the Saturday to Sunday football podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Matt. Obviously very gracious with the intro. Um, and it's good to talk to you on these airwaves. You know, we had the, we had the coaches chat on the Voxer with, uh, you know, me, you and Nick for a while. That was fun. And uh, now we can do a podcast. That's cool. Yeah, and if you're not familiar, we're talking about Mr. Nick Whalen. You can uh, obviously catch his content on Debbie Prospects and everywhere else, so definitely follow up Nick. He's great, 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 great follow. Um, but Anthony, 100% true. I, I really love the content that we were talking about in terms of coaching and just in terms of schemes and offensive, what we're going to do with this upcoming season. And now we finally get to talk about players and prospects. And before we begin, a, a little bit of a congratulations to you. You're joining really one of the premier content providers in the industry at football guys just a just a quick nod about what, what you're going to be doing there and just kind of how this came about and 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 again a congratulations to you yeah i appreciate it i mean uh pretty much everything just kind of transpired within the last month uh joe bryant reached out to me and uh you know we kind of chatted a little bit got to know each other a little bit and he offered me a position on the football guy staff so i'm pretty excited for it i mean it's obviously we talked a little bit before the show like <clears throat> I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where when you, when you first get started, football guys is, is on the list of places you'd love to, to wind up. So to be there and to be able to contribute to the stuff that they do is, is great. So I'm really excited to get started. Yeah. I mean, when, if Joe Bryan calls, you pick up the phone. I mean, that's just how it works. So to everybody out football guys, I mean, just, I, we're equally fans here at Saturday to Sunday. I mean, we've had longstanding relationship with, you know, Sigmund Bloon, Matt Waldman, and a lot of those guys. And we really just, I mean, to say that they are, also, um, that they're the premier content providers is, again, not an overstatement. It's, it's 100% true, and it's great to see you joining their ranks. So, Anthony, we're going to get started tonight talking about the, the 2021 running back class. And, and before we begin, I just want to kind of give me, give me a thumbnail sketch. What do you think, Anthony, of this class with comparison to the previous class? Um, maybe even just a comparison to, you know, where this class might sit in a broader kind of dynasty ranks if we're going to go into that fantasy discussion or even prospect ranks. I mean, are we talking a very deep stacked deck of running backs or are we talking about, you know, there's, we gotta, you're going to have to cherry pick it a little bit. There's some great ones here. Um, there's some potential, but you know, where do you stand on this class? Yeah. I mean, I think this is probably one of the more underwhelming classes versus what we've seen the last couple of years. Last year, 
obviously just loaded with talent. I mean, you know, CEH, Swift, Taylor, Akers, Dobbins, like all these guys kind of already showing us that they can be players, even a little lower down the line. You have like a Josh Kelly who you expect to be relevant. But this class is, doesn't really seem to, to have that same kind of flair to it. I mean, we have maybe one guy that will go in the first round. Uh, I think we're going to see a ton of day two guys probably still. But, you know, I mean, this is probably a little more comparable to, you know, maybe two years ago with like Jacobs and then, you know, Sanders, Daryl Henderson, David Montgomery on day two. So um, I'm trying to keep that in perspective, I guess, as we, as we go, I mean, there's definitely some interesting players and we know that running back is a position that's really founded in opportunity. So long-term there's, there's really no limit still to, to how much these guys could produce at the next level if they get those chances. But uh, I don't think that this group of guys is necessarily going to have like command of a full backfield in their like immediate range of outcomes. I mean, and part of that's obviously the way the league's going, but I just don't think that these guys are going to ultimately have that kind of draft capital or uh, probably be looked at immediately to be those kinds of players. Well, you know, what's interesting is you talked about draft capital, which obviously brings into the idea of where these guys kind of situate themselves among the other offensive skill players and, and really among their own peers. And and I know, Anthony, that, you know, you take an analytical approach as well as a film-based approach. So you have kind of that kind of that perfect harmony between the two going on. And that's something that you strive to work at. And that's one of the things that you pride yourself on. So, Take us through a little bit of your process since you do kind of combine both. And where did this kind of class begin to settle? And, you know, who is that guy that's leading the charge for you at the running back position this year? Yeah, I mean, process-wise, like I I am kind of tending more towards the numbers, as you alluded to. I mean, I like to watch the players. I think it's fun, you know, number one, right? I mean, that's kind of why we all do this, right? It's fun and and it's football, so I like to watch. Uh, And I like to get an idea of kind of like how these players win, you know, are they, are they doing it with speed? Are they doing, are they breaking tackles? Are they catching passes? Like you want to have, you want to have like some kind of concept, I think of kind of how these guys play. Uh, but most of the stuff that I'm looking at is going to be based on the numbers and kind of like revise my process a little bit over the years in that regard. You know, we're just constantly trying to get better. I think uh, really no matter how we're looking at this. So this year, the big thing for me is I've been trying to create like a range of outcomes to project some of these players. So I try to find, uh, you know, other running backs that we've seen come into the league and how they compare to this class based on, you know, a bunch of different statistics. Now it makes that, I think maybe even a little more challenging this year is that we've had, we have so many players with either no or with no season or like a truncated final season because a bunch of these teams only played like six games. So it kind of skews the numbers a little bit when you're trying to make these comparisons. So that probably makes, you know, the guys who watch the tape, uh, a little more valuable, I would say, you know, and those opinions I'm trying to hold uh, a little tighter this year, uh, just because I'm not sure. I think that there's just, you know, a lot more variance in the numbers when you have less games and you have kind of like this weird season that we just had. So uh, I've been really trying to focus on these, on these comparables. Uh, I built like two prospect similarity apps that I've been built, that I've been working with. And uh, that's kind of where I'm I'm basing a lot of my, uh, expectations from uh, now in terms of like who I think is at the top and, and who's going to be that first round caliber player potentially I think it's Najee Harris I mean uh, just super dominant in Alabama I mean I, I know the Alabama running backs pretty much always produce uh, if you look at the guys some of the guys he's going to compare it to like you're going to see Alabama names on the list but uh, I'm not really that concerned about his age I mean this we're talking about like a bigger back who still has some speed 
uh, someone who's able to be very productive both as a runner and a receiver. Uh, and he's like the one guy that I feel like from day one, like could potentially get that full workload uh, for whoever drafts him. So let me ask you a question though. I mean, and to drive home that point about, you know, like you were saying about a range of outcomes when you are a little bit more, like you said, a little bit more analytically driven. However, you do watch the film. Have you had to adjust and adapt a little bit this year? Not to, not to not to go off to off script a little bit, but without the combine, without those metrics, without yeah. those that type of testing, um, was that something that um, it was was something you had to adapt to, or are we talking more metrics that are performance based in terms of you know things that we hear all the time, breakout age, dominator ranking, um, just like you know relative performance relative to you know their peers? It, it just take me through how the combine. I'm just out of curiosity has impacted that data driven approach, or maybe it hasn't. Because again, I, I and I say this with with the utmost. Kind of because I we, we film people I think get accused of like not being analytical for some reason and I think analytical people get accused of not being film like related and I, I don't understand why I think it's all driven by the questions we ask that's what the data is driven by so that's how I look at it so just out of curiosity I mean I I just wondered where the combine not happening has maybe forced you to ask different questions or maybe it just wasn't even needed altogether just out of curiosity where you stood on that. Yes, it's pretty interesting because like some of the models that I've built in the past on running backs, uh, you know, that was like a key factor was a 40, specifically speed score, but obviously you need the 40 and those official weigh-ins to do that. So not having that, um, I was a little skeptical of kind of how it would go this year. Um, but some of the stuff, I mean, I, I've, I've really been trying to expand my sample of players. That's, that's one of the toughest things is like just getting all these guys into a database and, and being able to, to work with the information. So having uh, some more guys to work with this year, the 40 wasn't popping as much in the, in the numbers that I was looking at and in kind of those like key statistics, key thresholds, stuff like that, which was a little surprising, but I noticed this with the receivers also that, you know, even without the athletic measurements included, you still end up getting like a lot of players you would consider of similar athleticism in these similarity projections, just using the stuff out of the box score, you know, because I do think that, you know, efficiency and weight and all that stuff, like they still will point you towards similar kinds of athletes because they're ultimately, you know, experiencing similar levels of success. So, you know, a bunch of the stuff that I'm looking at this year, the stuff that I noticed that was kind of, um, I guess, like branching off points in the information would have been uh, obviously draft position, weight, uh, uh, yards per carry, yards per reception, uh, adjusted yards per play, which is a uh, probably my favorite running back metric, but it's just uh, rushing yards plus two times receiving yards divided by team plays. So you give the receiving a little bit of a bump just because it's a little bit more valuable production. Um, and you kind of contextualize it within a team. So you're not really penalizing the running back if the team plays a little slower or a little faster. Uh, you're kind of just gauging both the volume and the efficiency that that player has. So I really like that. Uh, and then I look at stuff like age and experience as well. So that that's really it. I mean, it's not like it's not mega complicated, I guess. And everything is is, uh, I guess, continually continually being worked on. Uh, I would love to have some of this, uh, you know, combine stuff as well. But I think I'm managing okay without it this year, and I'm, I'm going to kind of just monitor it as we go on.
No, and I, and I think that was a great point. And I, and I love the idea that you just said that we're constantly like improving because I think that's the other kind of, you know, that's the kind of other red herring that is chased by many people when they talk about, you know, the combine and statistics and analytics like that. The assumption is, is that you come up with a single equation that's never modified again. And that's the equation you use forever and ever and ever. And that's just not the case at all. I mean, that's just not exactly that's nothing. That's not exactly at all what's going on. You guys are building models based on, you know, how the data trends over time. And the better the sample, as you were talking about, the more you're going to be able to create a model that's more representative of the types of outcomes or the types of players that you're looking at or the position you're trying to study. So I think that's just a phenomenal point there. And for everybody who nerds out about this stuff, we will we will move on into the players a little bit more. But I think that this was a really great discussion about that, because I know when you have that kind of two pronged approach, film and analytics, I know this year can be challenging for sure. So you talked about you talked about Najee Harris being probably and assumably everybody's number one. What is it about Najee that that kind of jumps out to you other than the Alabama pedigree? Is there something about him in terms of, you know, his his physical, you know, traits, his overall skill on the field that that really drives home that guy being your number one? Well, I mean, he just <clears throat> he profiles as an extremely impressive running back, even inclusive of college and the program that that he's been a part of. I mean, I thought he could have come out last year and had a shot to be a top pick, granted it would have been a much better running back class. And maybe that's part of the reason why he ended up staying at, at school. But um, I mean, just fantastic 26 touchdowns this year, even for a good football team, that's really tough to do. So uh, 43 catches, like he, he has kind of been able to, I think be very multiple as an Alabama running back in a way that we really haven't seen, you know, and I, and I try to like take the helmet out of the equation because I know some of that stuff can get, you know, very cloudy, but you know, I mean, we had Josh Jacobs who, we thought was kind of that guy. Like he had some, you know, receiving production in college, but he wasn't really able to take hold of the whole backfield partially because of, you know, Najee Harris. And, uh, you know, he's really the first guy that I feel like we've seen in a while to shoulder the load and still be that active receiver. Um, you know, just to kind of give you an idea, like Derek Henry, his adjusted yards per play in his final season was 2.23. And, you know, Henry was like, I mean, <laughs> we were talking five years ago, how much football's changed. Like Henry was like high formation, like give him the ball every play. Like he was the offense. And now Harris is in this more like spread out offense where they're throwing the ball a bunch with Mac Jones and you know, Devontae Smith and all these guys. And he averages 2.6 adjusted yards per play. So, uh, you know, extremely efficient. Uh, and I think when you watch the games, and this is what, this is what makes it fun. It's like, he just made some like really special plays, like toe tap down the sideline, you know, make some. Uh, you know, make some guys miss elusive in the open field. Like he just seems like the kind of guy that has it all. And then you look at his weight and you're like, Oh, like this guy, like could be pushing two thirty. Like, <laughs> like, okay. You know what I mean? Like sign me up, you know? So that's, uh, I think that's kind of where I'm at with him. And he does, I mean, he does separate for me from the rest of the class. Cause I think all the other guys probably have like at least one thing that makes you kind of take a second look, even if it's not like a major red flag, like just something that makes you go, Ooh, like I kind of want to see how that plays out. Well, I mean, listen, throw a little nitroglycerin into any Alabama running back and you pretty much have the next running back that's coming into the class next year. I mean, because they just kind of produce them in a lab over and over and over again. They find these guys that are outstanding athletic specimens. And 
you know what Najee Harris to me is, I mean, he's been my number one running back for this class, um, you know, for quite a while, even out of high school. I mean, you know, when people were really down on him out of high school, believe it or not, they were talking about how he's just a plotter. He doesn't really have too much skill between the tackles. He's not really a great receiver. And there was tons of evidence going back to high school, even in the time that he was working in the Nike open, when he was in those regional kind of competitions, you could see him, even though it was without pads and maybe not the most representative of design. So I don't know the data that you could take from those exposures would be really, really accurate, you know, in terms of, you know, prognosticating what he will become, but he would, he would catch the ball fluidly. He would get separation from linebackers. I mean, he showed it in high school and, you know, he was, he was pretty much the number one guy coming out of high school. I mean, it's not like, you know, and that's a kudos. I don't, we don't talk about that enough, but I mean, kudos to all the guys that, you know, 24 seven ESPN recruiting. I mean, these guys, they're on it. And, and a lot of the guys they, they tab as being, you know, recently, at least the guys that I've seen that they tab as being very top guys, a lot of them end up being very top guys and they very, they aren't really missing those top guys too often. And, Najee was one of those guys. And I think that, you know, when you talked about his complete package, that's one of the things since the first time he was in Alabama is he's just exceptionally well sensitized to all of the different types of information that you can have from the kinematics of his own teammates to understanding their trajectories, their velocities, their angles of attack versus even understanding those of the approaching defenders. But then most importantly, he couples it to the collective movement of the whole, the whole being his blockers relative to the second level defender relative to the guy that's coming and approaching at a trajectory outside of him he's able to adjust and shows tremendous control in all of his movement patterns. He doesn't just have one move. He has a couple of moves, but he has tremendous control within those moves. He has tremendous variety. People are like, Oh, well he's a one cut runner. Yeah. But if you can make that one cut at 55 million different little angles and degrees of force, it's not one cut. Like Bruce Lee, right? I, I fear the man who practices the same punch 10,000 times, not the man who practices the 10,000 punches. You know, it, it's about understanding what you can do and, and adapting. And he, he's done that since really since day one. I mean, we could talk at nauseum about how, you know, and speak wax pro, you know, poetic about him. But let's move on to some of the other prospects in this class. Like you said, there's a couple of guys that make you go, ooh, um, hmm, maybe I got to go back to them. Where do you go after Najee Harris? How do you, how does your next five or next three to five look? Oh, so it gets, it gets jumbled a little quickly. I mean, I think that, you know, Travis Etienne, I think is probably the consensus next guy, which I think is very reasonable. Um, I know a lot of people like Javante Williams as well out of North Carolina. Um, You know, I'm fine with, I'm fine with those two guys. Uh, but again, we get to like some of those concerns where it's like, I'm not sure that Etienne is a guy that the NFL team says, all right, you're the guy, like the backfield's yours. You know, Javante Williams already was a split back in college with someone who, in Michael Carter who like, I'm not really hundred percent sold on how good he is. So I'm not positive if that's good or bad uh, for Williams. Uh, I do really like Kenny Gainwell. He would probably be, Oh, so one, two, three, he'd probably, he'd probably be fourth for me. Maybe even third, honestly, on the right day. It's just, I think Gainwell, Gainwell's like the, just the kind of guy that I end up liking um, because he, he's a little smaller, 
but he has like that very um like a very unique skill set you know like he can catch the ball he's really really fluid um obviously he puts up those big numbers at memphis like that's what memphis running backs do um that's right that's right we didn't get to see him this year but i like gainwell a lot uh again he kind of profiles as a guy that like maybe maybe nobody ever gives him a, a starting job you know like maybe he's always a third down back maybe he's always a change of base kind of back uh but i just really and like you're, and you're okay with that right anthony I mean, yeah i'm, okay I'm that comfortable that, with that this world yeah guys got you need to have those guys you know like uh and i think we've seen like all the time these these running backs that go like late day two or on day three like maybe for fantasy they're a little disappointing because they don't they don't produce that like high-end ppr production but in terms of like what they're contributing on the field, like those guys are incredibly important. I mean, those third down change of pace kind of backs, like they're probably the most important running back you're going to have, you know, like you can have that, you can pair a Gainwell, you know, with like a Carlos Hyde or something, you know, someone like who's going to just do like the dirty work, dirty work on first and second down. But like Gainwell is the one that's, you know, pass blocking and protecting your quarterback. Like he's the one that's getting out in the routes and making the big plays. You know, he's the one that's breaking off long runs every now and then. Like those guys are, are super important. So I know that like we're kind of in like the running backs don't matter era, but I mean, if you're going to pay a guy like 2 million bucks and, and have him do some stuff, like there's really nothing wrong with that. So, well, you uh, know, and, and, you know. and I'm right there with you. I mean, I get the whole running backs doesn't matter. I mean, to, to a point in terms of the, in terms of the overall, you know, play, but I mean, at some point though, I mean, you do have to have a guy that plays that position and we do have to roster them in fantasy. So on some level they do matter, right? In the sense that we have to have them on the team or else why even create, why even have the position? Just, you know, just start working with all slot backs, right? Let's just work everybody's slot receivers and, and we can do that. And I do think the NFL is going more that way. I mean, we saw it this show this year with LaVisca Chenault and, and Lynn Bowden and we saw it with Antonio Gibson. And I, I do think we're going to keep exploring that world. However, um, we do need these guys to play this position. I'm, I'm very excited about Javante Adams potentially being like a dolphin, for example. I could see him and Miles Gaskin just picking up where he did at North Carolina and just keep marching down the field. Um, but, but a lot of the, a lot of the, the rumors swirling around seem to seem to fit Travis Etienne with like, you know, a team like the Niners. Like, please, please let that happen. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen now. It may happen. Um, but, are there any landing spots within that group of five guys where you just like, that would be your wish list that like, you know, it would blow your computer up. Essentially your analytic model would explode just out of perfect kind of uh synergy that might occur between coach and player. Do you have any wish list for any of those guys? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I try to, I try to be pretty open-minded with some of this stuff. I mean, obviously like you want like a guy like ETN or uh Gainwell, like you'd like them to go to a team that, has a little bit more of like an un- enough tempo offense or uh, is willing to throw the ball a little bit. So like I would lean towards, you know, like a team like Atlanta or something like that. Like, but at the end of the day, like I want them to go wherever they're going to end up getting, getting volume. And maybe that's not going to be a place that like we look at right away and we say, Oh, like that's a great schematic fit. Um, right. But you know, but it's like, sometimes you just, if you believe in like the talent of the player, like they kind of just make it work. So I really just like them to be in a position to have that opportunity because I feel like every year we get these guys like guys that we like, you know, like last year I really liked Darrington Evans. I'm like, okay, great. Like he's going to back up, he's going to back up Derrick Henry his whole career. You know, like it's not like we're not going to get that excitement, even if that's like an offense that he probably would be successful in, you know, he's going to be a backup. So, you know, at the end of the day, like I just want these guys to go to a place where they can flourish 
Um, you know, I try not to get too hung up on the landing spots. I think that like just the ones that have the most opportunity, obviously looking at like Atlanta, uh, I think Arizona, it's going to be a spot, you know, ripe for some competition. You mentioned the Niners, you know, so teams like that, uh, you know, sign me up, like give these guys an opportunity to get in there and work and, you know, I'll worry about the rest of it later. Well, and, and I love it. I mean, and, and the, and to your point about the talent and the, everything like that, I mean, listen, the player can change the game as much as the game can change the player. You know, it's a reciprocal relationship between team and player. So, I mean, you know, a team could be, you know, literally changing kind of their theoretical methodology or approach with a pick. I mean, we, we would never know. So you have to keep that open mind. I think that's a great point. And to your point earlier, so, I mean, tell me if I'm right. I mean, it kind of looks like it's fleshing out to be Najee Harris as your number one with Travis Etienne um, at probably number two. And then to your point, you know, Kenneth Gainwell and Michael Carter and Javante Williams, I mean, those guys could kind of live in that three to five range. And you're kind of still kind of swirling there. Is that is that fairly accurate? Yeah, I think I'd have Carter probably clearly below those guys. I mean, I think the the 40-time stuff today with with Williams – I think it was like in the three fives. Like, I don't really care about that. Like, I don't really think we expected him to run well, but like Carter, like you kind of want him to be a little more athletic than I think he showed today. And I don't know. I mean, like I think the pro day stuff has actually been a little bit more illuminating than we expected just because these guys aren't bouncing off of like, they're not looking to improve on times that already exist. You know, like they, there was no combine. Like these are just the times. So I think that that right. stuff is, is maybe, uh, giving us a little bit more than we expected. So I would bump Carter down. I mean, I just think he's like a very, very average player. Like I'm not really sure that there's something that he does where I'm like, Oh, like give me that skill on my football team. Like that's something that I really need. Uh, whereas I think someone like Gainwell, you know, someone like Williams, like they're providing that, you know, even further down the list. Like, I mean, like a guy like Demetri Felton from UCLA, like he's another one of those guys that like, can come in and like, he's playing third downs for me right away, you know? And, and that's like a, that's a skill. Like that's a valuable thing. Like when I think about, um, I think about like basketball a lot with this stuff. Like I know it's like a completely different sport, but like in basketball, it's like, you know, sometimes in the draft, like you have the guys like that like, can do it all right. Like they're your studs, whatever. And then past that, you're like, just find me a guy that does like one thing really, really well. And that's a guy that's probably going to have a career. And that's how, that's how I look at some of these guys, you know, like I'm not really sure what Carter does really well. He doesn't really do, there's really nothing that he does better than his peers to a level where I'm like, oh, I really want that. You know, Gainwell does. He does all that. Does <clears throat> Gainwell does that? I think a guy like Felton does that. Obviously, the guys at the top do that. Um, so like Carter for me, kind of just like he just like keeps falling down. And then I look at where maybe he's priced at in terms of the draft, where it's like, you know, do I want to spend a top 100 pick on a guy like that? Probably not. And once you get into day three, like I'd rather just pick a guy that maybe is going to play some special teams for me and and could contribute on third down. Like I'd rather just do that than take a guy like Carter. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's kind of like falling by the wayside for me. Like he's in this range somewhere, like maybe he's like six or seven or something, but it's like those tiers get so much bigger as you go down because they're kind of all the same at a certain point. Yeah, no. And I, and I think that, listen, I think a lot of this is still in fluid and is in flux tremendously until we know their landing spots, until we know draft capital and landing spots. I think that's a, it's a really big variable. Those are two major variables that need to be satisfied. I mean, you can't overstate that again, just enough. I mean, we've loved the word overstating tonight 25 times. I might as well use it again because it's true. You can't overstate the, as we love to say now. And I, I feel like, 
you know, there's a contingency of, of people, including myself out there that believe in this kind of, you know, this ecosystem slash synergistic kind of way of looking at players in terms of their movement skill. You can't, you can't begin to quantify, you know, how they're going to perform really until we know kind of where they're going to be. You know, we need to know those variables. We need to know that that's, that's a big thing. And, and you already kind of began to talk about some of the players after these guys, Demetric Felton, obviously from UCLA, but what about players like, you know, Trey Sermon and Chuba Hubbard and Javian Hawkins, guys like that. I mean, are there, do any of those guys, you know, are they, are they kind of exploding the model in any areas or any way? I mean, I know you talked about them, a lot of them being, you know, very similar at some point. Um, do any of those guys though, in any way kind of get you a little bit interested in terms of where they land? Is there any guy that you're out of that group that you might be a little bit more like, yeah, I'm a little bit more intrigued to see where this guy goes. Well, I mean, before I even get to the guy that I that I think I like the best, like Ooh. I just want to know what happened to Chuba Hubbard. Like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like a year ago it was like, oh, like is he going to come out? Like, like a year ago we were talking about we were still talking about like the possibility that there's going to be a supplemental, and we we're like, if Chuba Hubbard's in the supplemental, like you have to make sure you have like the one on one, like all that stuff. It's like, and now he's like a guy nobody talks about. So I, I, I don't know, man. Some of these things like they change so fast. Like, is he this year's like? Is he Bryce Love where it's like he comes back and it's just a big mistake? Like I don't know. Um, but the guy that I really like is uh, Jared Patterson out of Buffalo. A little bit further down the list, probably for a few people, but he's been gaining some steam. I mean, I think uh, grinding the mocks has him now in like the top one hundred and fifty expected draft position, which is I mean that's pretty good. Like you're going to get some opportunity there. Um, you know, Patterson again, like, put, I mean, he put up like insane touchdown numbers. I don't even know if, I, if that's worth bringing up, like, um, because he's basically their offense, but a little on the lighter side, like, he's he's pushing it on 200, uh, but just extremely efficient on the ground. And you know, maybe not someone that's ever going to be a prolific pass catcher. I, mean, I don't think he caught a single pass this year at Buffalo, granted, it was only like six games, but he's someone who can come in and maybe be like a Tevin Coleman for someone who can be like a Lamar Miller, you know, a guy who maybe he's not your one or your one a, but he's like a really, really good one B in like a split backfield. You know, maybe he does the Aaron Jones thing where he starts off in kind of that smaller role and it expands. Um, I'm, he's someone that I'm, I'm really excited for just because he has like, he has some of the age stuff that I like. He has some of the experience stuff that I like. He's really efficient. I mean, really the only blemish on his profile was the fact that he didn't really catch any passes this year, but I'm kind of willing to take a pass on that just because people of his profile generally can catch passes. So I don't want to like assume, like I hate doing the thing where it's like, oh, well, he didn't do it. So that means he just can't do it, you know? But I mean, Buffalo was like a super run heavy offense. Like they didn't have a good quarterback. There's a lot of reasons why he wouldn't have caught any passes in, in six games. Uh, I don't want to hold that against him. And I think the rest of the profile looks really interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, Jared Patterson is somebody here that I know we've talked about several times 
Uh, take us deeper because, I mean, I think Jared Patterson is really somebody that I think, like you said, is beginning to get steam. He's beginning to earn um, some praise um, in, in many different outlets. So, I mean, it, it, if that's your guy and that's a guy that you're really excited about, take us a little deeper. I mean, what would what should make us really consider Jared Patterson? I mean, in terms of let's start, obviously, from a from a football perspective, from a team based perspective, and then we can kind of work a little bit more towards that fantasy perspective. Maybe he won't be the dominant fantasy player, um, you know, like the next Christian McCaffrey, per se, but he could have that upswing if he gets that type of volume in time. So what, what do you think about Jared? Patterson? Take it. Take us a little bit inside of him. Well, it's funny because like one of the guys I talked to, he's like, he's like, he profiles like a Darren Sproles, but like he didn't do the Darren Sproles stuff in college. And like, I thought that was like a really interesting thing to say because yeah, like he does kind of look like that kind of guy. Like he's a little smaller. He has like those, like he has the quick fees, a little scat, you know, he looks like a scat back almost. But then you look at, at the production and you're like, oh my gosh, like 52 touchdowns in three years. Like, (laughs) like you would think that he's a lot bigger. Um, so I I, act, I usually like guys like that because the smaller backs who have shown to hold like the big workloads, like I always think of workload as a as a skill. You know, like it's not like you can just give anybody twenty carries and they'll hold up. Like I actually think that like that durability and that ability to be a workhorse is a skill and it's something that um, is displayed and is repeatable in the future. So like from that, perspective, I agree with you. By the way, I agree with you one hundred percent. You have to be able to protect yourself. Workload isn't always about your athletic ability. It's about your ability also to protect yourself. And I think 100% I agree with you. Yeah, so like Patterson, I think it will be dinged by NFL teams because he's a little smaller. But like I don't think that he's going to struggle to get the – like to hold on to work when he gets it. Like I don't think there's going to be a game where it's like, oh, like – if he's that one B and one A goes down, like I think he can go ahead and take 15, 20 carries in a game if he has to, you know? Um, so that's kind of where I see him fitting in. Like, I think that, you know, again, I know he didn't have the, the receiving work last year, but he had 13 catches in 2019, uh, again, in a run first offense. So like, I still think that that ability is in there. Um, I think that's kind of like the role he's going to play. I think that's kind of where teams, you know, again, like on like the really high end of things, we're thinking Aaron Jones, Darren Sproles, um, like the lower end of things, you know, maybe he's like a Tevin Coleman where you stick him in his own scheme and you're just like, forget it. Like, we're not going to ask you to do anything else, but make like big chunk runs in, in this, in our scheme, you know, and like, that would be fine too. So I think that like, there's a lot of ways that Patterson can kind of contribute. And uh, like that, that, that is like one of my favorite kind of profiles is like those smaller guys who you think you contribute already especially like we're going to bring this to like a fantasy perspective, like the guys who can already do the really valuable fantasy stuff, which is be on the field on third down, like catch the ball, um, you know, make explosive plays and then have that upside where, you know, when chaos happens, like when someone inevitably gets hurt, like, Oh, you know, who's like running really well, Jared Patterson, like, you know, who we could probably give a few more carries to Jared Patterson. And all of a sudden, like it's wheels up, you know? So that, that's like, those are the guys I like. So I know I know the hottest question right now on a lot of kind of in the world of fantasy football and probably in the NFL as well. Is there another James Robinson in this class? I mean, is there that guy? And, and is, is it Jared Patterson? I mean, is is there another kind of James Robinson type of player, a guy who can, you know, seize the backfield, 
be very functional and, you know, <laughs> essentially, essentially make you cry every day that you picked him up and dropped him just before the season started, but I do every <laughs> day, which is what I do every day. Um, is there, is there a guy like that? And is his name, did we mention him already? Is it Jared Patterson? I mean, I would love that. I don't think, I mean, if we want to, if we were looking to go like full James Robinson, you'd probably be looking for somebody that's going to go a little later. Um, just, I do think that Patterson may stick in like early day three, but, uh, I could see like Jamar Jefferson, maybe, maybe being that guy also. I don't think he's as good as, as Robinson. I mean, like, obviously like to contextualize, like Robinson had like the best rookie season for an undrafted rookie, like maybe ever, like certainly since 2000. So like, I don't want to like put the, um, you know, I want to put him to, I don't want to say like this guy is, is reaching for the stars here, but like. Jamar Jefferson from Oregon state, I think is again, like a really functional back, like a Marlon Mack, um, I guess like on the lower end, like an Alex Collins, but like, if you can get like the Marlon Mack, the Jordan Howard, like that early career production out of someone that's going to be a little later in the draft, I think it's probably Jefferson again, like he's a little bigger. He managed to be efficient. Uh, like he's another one of those guys that like, you know, maybe in the right circumstances, a team says, okay, sure. Like, you know, let's give you the load. Like, what do we have? What do we have to lose? Um, I know the last two years, he was not like a mega high volume uh, rusher, but he was as a freshman, 239 carries. Uh, and really, even this year, I mean, 133 carries in six games. Like, that's <laughs> like you're still talking about uh, a pretty hefty workload. Um, so I, I like him. I think, I guess, probably like that late round, like mega dart uh, that has a chance to, to kind of step in and play right away. So there you have it. Anthony saying James Robinson is Jamar Patterson. So I'm no, no, you're, I mean, you're here, you're hearing everything. Um, no, I mean, Jamar Jefferson is a guy that we definitely like here as well. I mean, and it's funny that you brought him up and I, I just think that that's going to be one of the hot questions this year, you know, fair or unfair. I, I think Always, that James, yeah. I, I think it's going to be like, who's the next James Robinson. And just out of curiosity, as we kind of get towards the latter stages of, of this kind of group of players, is there, were there any, surprises in your models right was there anybody that just surprised you in your model that you weren't expecting out of the guys that we haven't mentioned is there a guy that is just surprising you in terms of that potential or or trending very well or you know i'm not sure quite yet there's still some data points here to fill in but it still is an interesting you know projection that seems to be kind of filling out here that's a really good question um I mean, it's tough because like, like you mentioned earlier, like so much of this is going to become dependent upon on like where they land and the draft capital. Cause I felt of like course. last year there were so many people who like, I mean, it's kind of ironic, I guess. Right. Like there were so many people who like, didn't even know who Keyshawn Vaughn was. And then it was like, Oh, Keyshawn Vaughn's in the box. Like you got to draft him. And then, you know, he ends up doing nothing. But like the point is like, there's probably going to be somebody that we're not even thinking about that's going to end up in like the ideal location that's going to force us to take a second look. Um, now, just like in terms of someone that I was looking at earlier, that maybe I maybe after his pro day, I'm going to take a step back. But Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma was someone that at first I was like just really interested in because he was listed at 230. Like, again, like really efficient. He played in a very good offense. And I was just like, you know, like these bigger guys, you know, like, I don't, I don't really like guys in the middle. Like I like the guys that are like a little smaller and do like the really athletic stuff. And I like these bigger guys because 
again, you want to talk about being able to just do something like these guys are just hard to tackle. You know, you talk about like play 50, play 55, play 60 in a football game. Like those guys are pretty much paying the butt, you know, <laughs> you know, to play against. Um, so I was a little disappointed that he was a little closer to 220 at the pro day. Obviously, I was really disappointed that he ran like in the high four sixes or something like that. Um, so now, now I'm like, I don't even know what this guy is, but like early on, he was someone where I was like, okay, like maybe like we get, maybe we're getting a little Latavius Murray vibe or like a Buck Allen, like Devonte Booker, Alfred Morris in like the ideal case, you know, like someone who's just like a little bigger, like has some experience and is able to just like grind out a role for a team. Now I'm not really so sure. Uh, but he was someone that like early in the process, I was kind of like, okay, you know, like maybe, uh, maybe he's someone that I should kind of like keep my eye on. Yeah, no, I, and, and, and he has been a hot name all over the place and he's been very polarizing. It seems very recently. It's, it seems like a lot of people have, you know, differing opinions on him and, and where he could stay. And, and it just, this class, I think to, to kind of, to kind of, you know, I mean, you've been very gracious with your time and I, I want to be very grateful for that and also respectful of it. But I mean, as we kind of wind this kind of discussion down to a close, it seems like, you know, <laughs> it seems like players that we've just talked about in the last five or so minutes from, you know, Jared Patterson to Jamar Jefferson to Ramondre Stevenson, it is going to be a, a wait and see there, that, that you yeah. can't really commit right now, you know, to where they're going to be, which which makes me wonder you know, in terms of draft capital, let's let's take this a little bit more as we close out, maybe to that that world of fantasy where, you know, you're holding, you know, a top five pick, you know, of this running back class. Who are the guys that you're considering in the top five? If you had to take a running back in the top five, who are the only guys? Is is Najee even would he be in your top five or you're gonna go to a different position? I mean, just what would you consider this if you have a top five pick, where are you going? Are there at what running backs would you be considering? I mean, probably, I mean, definitely Harris, um, just because I assume whoever drafts him is going to give him some work. Uh, and then, I, yeah, I mean, like ETN and Williams, like it would really have to be the right spot. And I'd have to feel really comfortable that that workload is going to be there. But I mean, truthfully, like I feel like the receivers in this class are, are very, very good. Uh, and obviously we have Kyle Pitts. That's kind of like, you know, looming as well. So I'm not really looking at take running backs high in this in this draft i mean if it's super flex like definitely not because we're gonna have like five quarterbacks go in the first 10 picks of the actual draft so like in super flex it's like we're talking about like i mean i might not take a running back to like eight or something like that you know in a super flex draft uh but in one quarterback you know i still probably want like chase um you know i think like smith waddle bateman i love rondell moore like, I don't know if I'd want to take a running back other than Harris above any of those guys, unless they were in like just the stone ideal spot. Um, yeah. Well, listen, I'm, I'm on record as saying if I, if I were in a one quarterback league, I mean, honestly, I'd be hard pressed not to consider Kyle Pitts above a lot of those guys. I mean, I would even go that route. I know that's crazy because how dare you spend that type of draft capital in your fantasy football league on a tight end. But like we always talk about, I mean, if you would you sign up today for Travis Kelsey production for ten years? Um, yeah. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. I, I think he's a receiver it. that's designated as a tight end. You know, like that's kind of yeah. like if you look at it that way. It's like he's a cheat code. 
Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. That's right. As our, as our running back discussion kind of devolves into a little bit of every discussion, but I mean, it is important to contextualize these players amongst their peers in this particular dynasty and rookie class. And so, I mean, you know, within the first round, I think it's fair, fair to say that obviously Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are definitely going, you know, in your dynasty rookie class. Um, one quarterback league obviously is what we're talking about, but if it were two quarterback, like a flex league, I still think Travis Etienne, probably Najee Harris are going in that first round for you. Um, Javante Williams is kind of where we begin to say is obviously I think he'll be in there for a first, you know, for a one quarterback league, but maybe two quarterback, you might fall out of it depending upon, you know, where you go. Um, so just with the first round kind of situated, who is a guy in the second round of your rookie draft that you're just saying, you know what, I- I'm going to go in and take him. Is there a guy that stands out? Let's say it's one quarterback or two quarterback. It doesn't really matter if there's, is there a guy outside of those top three that you're saying, you know what, I'm going to target them. Maybe the second round, maybe the third round, but this is a guy I want to leave my draft with. Obviously I think, you know, I know you would say Jared Patterson at some point at towards the end of the draft. Eventually. But yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Eventually. Um, but, but is there a guy that if you needed some running back help, you're a little bit long in the tooth, you might be running with, let's say, you know, Aaron Jones is your top running back. Maybe after that, you're talking about, you know, a, a running back in the world of, you know, I, I mean, right now I have a team with Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, and, and I'm very blessed to have that team. Thank, thank you, Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. But the point is, is that if you have a team that's a little bit longer in the tooth and maybe you're looking to kind of get a guy that could begin to support that core or even begin to rotate that core and become a new core, is there a guy you're targeting? Yeah, I mean, it's Gainwell. I'll just go right back to the well. Um, like I said, like there's definitely risk that he is uh, that he's the new Duke Johnson and he never gets that shot. Um, but like he could also be Gio Bernard, where like he does get that shot for a while, and then after that ends up being like a really viable like rotation back, third down back, like a guy who plays and uh, you know contributes in PPR leagues. Um, you know, at the very top end of the spectrum in terms of his comps, like, I mean, Jamal Charles is in there, you know, like, I don't want to, I hate, to, I don't want to get hung up on, on single player comps, but like, he's in there, you know, and, and like, that's the kind of stuff that we're shooting for in these drafts. So, you know, I think the downside of a guy like Gainwell, or the reason that I like a guy like Gainwell is because like, I think the floor is very high in fantasy. He's going to catch passes. Like he's going to be on the field. Like the odds of, of you picking him and, and him just like going completely busto. I'm like just producing zero points. It's just not that high. But on the same side, like he actually could end up being like a really viable long term PPR back. And uh, that's the kind of thing that I want. So like he's someone I was actually just talking about him with somebody today. Like that's a guy that I that I'm willing to to, to go in on, especially in this class where it's like first round, I'm thinking receiver or maybe pit. Um, you know, and then second round, I can still get a guy like Gainwell and uh, hold down four for a little bit. I mean, this is why this is why Anthony and I have built such a good relationship. I mean, this is the type of insight and content that he brings, not only in the world of fantasy football, but I mean, in terms of just football analysis, talking offense, talking the game. Anthony, it's really been a pleasure to have you on the show this evening. Thank you so much for for being able to share this time with us. Oh, dude, anytime I mention it, I uh, 
apologize for some of my longer responses. Sometimes a little bit of a long talker. <laughs> no, 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 please. It's, it was absolutely incredible. And I think Kenneth Gainwell is definitely one of those players along with Jarrett Patterson that we're going to be leaving this show with and saying big star right there. And if it, and if I win a league because of you, then we be, be sure to shower you with praise on, on social media. Anthony, where can we find you? What can we, where can we find your work? And obviously, do you have any projects upcoming that you'd like to tease out about football guys, things that you're going to be working on? Just tell the listeners where they can get to know you better. Yes. I mean, you can find me on Twitter at Amixta. Um, I have been working like on a, on a Substack, a newsletter, uh, and I'll still be doing some stuff with that. I'm not positive, like how much of it will be fantasy, but definitely a good opportunity to kind of just get to know me a little better. Uh, some of the interests that I take like outside of fantasy. Uh, and then over at Football Guys, like I, I'm just getting started out, so I'm, I'm reaching out to them right now, probably right after the show, about a couple projects that I that I'd like to work on, a couple apps that I'd like to build, and that's kind of been my thing lately. Is I like to I like to build things, you know, like I like to create tools that people can use. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I'm kind of hoping that that maybe I can build a couple of things that can help win you guys some leagues. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're not following Anthony on Twitter, then I, I really think that you're missing out on not only some great content about fantasy football, but also great content about football. And he is genuinely, as you can hear this evening, one of the most genuine people I've had the pleasure of interacting with. And he is absolutely somebody that is always welcoming questions, always willing to take time and answer them, and also just kind of share insight. And and I and I really appreciate that about you, Anthony. And I and I and I wish you so much success and and so much congratulatory success as you guys kind of move into that world with football guys. I think it's a it's a it's a win-win for everybody. So Thank you so much for this evening, and we look forward to having you back at some point soon, Anthony, as things begin to kind of materialize a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. Just uh, hit me up, dude, anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, he is Anthony Miko. Like he said, you can follow him at a- a- Amixta, and it's I'm pronouncing that terribly. Let me spell it out for you. It is at A-M-I-C-S-T-A on Twitter. And again, for everybody out there, if you're enjoying the content and guests like Anthony that are coming on the show, please make sure to download and subscribe to the Saturday Sunday football podcast. That this is the type of thing that helps us, you know, keep the show going, keep us relevant, keep us moving in the right direction. And if you haven't had a chance to check out, you know, our notebooks, please go ahead and check out the Saturday Sunday football premium notebooks. Again, there's three premium notebooks that we do. We do a rankings notebook. We also do a scouting notebook that includes over a hundred player profiles where we talk about their strengths, their functionality, areas of improvement. And then of course, as we get into the actual draft itself, we have the much coveted, what I like to call the TV guide of you know, the NFL draft, and that is our NFL draft projections notebook where Paul really does some incredible, incredible work trying to trying to do his best to kind of project not only every pick for every team, but also it really does give you a snapshot of these players, heights, weights, everything that's going with it for all the positions. It, it really is an incredible companion guide to the actual draft. So Please, if you haven't had a chance to check those out, please do so. They're only $9.99. And again, all the proceeds go back into the show and everything that we need to run. So thank you so much to Anthony on behalf of myself, as well as Paul, and as well as our sound and tech engineer, David Nakano. Please join us next time as we continue rolling along as we preview the NFL draft. And please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday.